Yes, people, welcome back to Process, a podcast with myself, Brendan Pearson. So before we start this podcast, I just want to say a massive thank you to the response to one of the last podcasts that I put out with Jack Robson. I know it's probably about five or six episodes ago by the time this podcast goes out, but at the time of recording, it was literally the last episode that came out. So I want to say thank you very much to everybody for the great response. Um, again, it was a very important podcast, both for me and Jack, and obviously spreading the word of mental health is massively important, so thank you very much. Anyway, this week's guest is Mr. Jack Thorburn. He is a bodybuilder, online coach, and a guy on Instagram who is definitely worth following for any sort of gym motivation. Uh, when you're feeling like you're struggling to get into a routine, this guy is someone who's got his routine on point. So we do talk about that. We talk about his routine, his discipline, his mindset and where it came from, where, where we think it stemmed from. We then move on to talk about Jack's dealings with a lot of injuries. So he used to play rugby when he was younger, which I didn't know about that myself. Uh, a lot of the injuries that he, he had to deal with when he was playing rugby, how it kind of forced him out of the love of the game and obviously starting his bodybuilding career, but also the injuries that he's got now, how he's dealt with them, what he's learned over the last few years and that maybe one or two years at home could maybe pick up and learn from. So talk about that and then of course a little bit about bodybuilding at the end because of course Jack is a bodybuilder so be rude not to talk about it. Also apologies there was two connection dropouts during this podcast so just bear with us. We kind of kept it flowing pretty well and rolled with it so it's not really the end of the world. Anyway we'll get on with this episode. This is Process. Yes, people, welcome back to Process. Today we are joined by another guest, Mr. Jack Thorburn. Welcome to the podcast, mate. Thank you very much for having me. And Thank you. Pleasure having you on. I know we spoke, like I said, in Glasgow at the Scottish Fit Expo about a year ago, yeah. and it's kind of crazy to see how we both kind of kicked on from there and how much things have changed. But I got you on because you're an, in, a person I followed on Instagram and stuff for a while, but you're in terms of mentality in terms of what you've been through in terms of injuries and I know we just discussed there about you used to play rugby and stuff there's a lot that I want to kind of find out and I'm interested to know your mindset and everything that goes into it so I want to go all the way back to like the start of kind of your sporting or lifting career and um, what first got you into like lifting weights into into training in general I think if we were to talk about the first sort of interest I had in training um my dad used to get a personal trainer um in the house and he'd be here two three times a week and i'd be in bed at five o'clock and i could hear him training downstairs because like the personal trainer would scream at my dad like they'd be on the punch bag and stuff and then i was quite like a chubby kid um like big but with a bit of chub on me um and i started working with him for a little bit as a personal trainer and then i just we, we got a new gym, a really nice like gym in, in my school. So we used to go in there for PE. And I quickly found out that I was a lot stronger than the other kids. Like I remember I was in year nine and I was the first kid in the whole school to stack the leg the leg extension. <laughs> and like obviously and now it's pretty obvious because like my quads are like my standout body part, you know. Um, but I can remember stacking the leg extension for one rep and everyone was like, oh wow. So that was sort of my first memory. It was just like training to get a bit fitter. I was playing rugby at the time, so it just sort of went hand in hand. I just 
and also, you know, I, I was fully aware that I was stronger than most and I had a bit more muscle than most. So I just did what I knew I was good at. Um, but then if I was to put a sort of time on when I really started to, when training really took off, I moved away to a boarding school when I was 16 for sixth form. Um, a really good rugby, well, the best rugby school in Wales, Dundavery College. Um they're up there against all the best in uh, England as well. So I moved there. I got a rugby scholarship there. Um, and there they had a big gym ethos there. Um, they had a gym. Considering the money they got pumped into the school, the gym was basically like a dungeon. Um, but all the players there were huge. I got told pretty soon. Like, I was the big boy in my school. But then I went there and I got told quickly, like, you need to put some size on. Um, so like six, six o'clock sessions became the norm. Um, every day before school, we'd be training. Uh, uh, the prop there was a bodybuilder. He had competed before and he took a shine to me and he basically took me under his wing. So even though we were playing rugby at the time, our sessions weren't very rugby based. So we weren't doing any like clean and jerks and all that malarkey. It was all very like... It was basically bro splits all the time. But we could get away with it because we just trained hard and then we'd do our fitness in the evening or whatever. So that was sort of where my rugby, uh, like my bodybuilding came from because I was still playing, but I'd go back to my room and I had pictures of bodybuilders all over my wall. So I was still very much immersed in bodybuilding then, even though I had no like aspirations of competing or anything. Like that. I was still playing rugby. I loved rugby, absolutely loved it. But I also loved looking a certain way as well. So yeah. I'd say that's where it took off from. Yeah. Who were, who were the bodybuilders that you kind of first, can you remember them back in the day? Yeah, I can't. Believe it or not, one bodybuilder, because he, he was very unknown at the time, but I, lo I, was big into, I was big into YouTube and watching YouTube at the time. Um, and he's very popular now, but Antoine Vallant, have you mm -hmm. ever heard of him? I've heard the name, uh, yeah. yeah. He's a French-Canadian bodybuilder. Um, he was massive on YouTube well before he became sort of like popular in bodybuilding. Um, and I loved his physique. He was very young at the time. He turned pro very young, early 20s. Um, and like, even though he was a bodybuilder, he could do like crazy like backflips and splits and stuff. So he used yeah. to play off on YouTube. So I really liked that. I had him, a lot of pictures of him on my wall. Um, what I used to do is I used to, I, I collected Flex magazine, so I had loads of flexes. I would cut out all the like pictures that I thought were pretty cool. So I, I had a lot of Phil Heath pictures as well, because yeah. at the time he was battling Kai Green um, yeah. for the Olympia. Yeah. So a lot of Phil. Um, it was mostly like Phil, Ronnie. I never got into Dorian at that age. Um, I don't know why I never did. Yeah. Um, for some reason, I didn't hear about him until about like two or three years ago. I don't know if it's yeah, just like I, he just started doing why. the YouTube now. Maybe I don't yeah. know. I uh, never, I think at the time, because I was looking at mostly like present bodybuilders, I wasn't looking back, even though Ronnie was a bit before, but he'd only just finished. So it was, it was like Ronnie, Jay, Phil, they were the main ones really. Yeah, so. yeah. So who were your like main influence in terms of your training style? Was it literally that that prop that you mentioned, or was it the the coach at the rugby, the rugby uh, school you're at? 
I, I couldn't put it on a single person because basically what I used to do is if I had that like 6 a.m. gym session, what I do is I doing I used to have I've got three bags, black bags full in my um, hallway here of Flex magazines. They're full. So I must have the well over 50, 60 magazines. I would lay out on my bed all my Flex magazines and flip to the page of like, say if I was training arms, mm-hmm. I would flip to a page that had one of my favorite pros training arms. And I would do the same for like 10 flex magazines. Yeah. Just And I'd like look at it and think, right, that's what I want to do. So I'd like, my training styles would just be influenced by basically like flex magazine, really. Yeah. So yeah. because ultimately I knew that if I was training hard, I'd, I'd probably make progress. Mm-hmm. Yeah era where we weren't wearing blue light blockers we weren't worrying about if we were eating too close to go in the bed we weren't worrying about what our blood sugar was like i'm very glad i I came up during that time i didn't have to think about anything i knew i was training my ass off and i knew i was eating well Mm -hmm. and at, at that age of like 16 to 18 if you're doing that like you're gonna grow like i had a decent shape on me for that age like I, I'm not going to talk about, like, I'm not going to big myself up, but uh, I was, I would walk around my city center and like people would look at me mm-hmm. at the age of like 16. Yeah. So I, obviously it was because of my age. They were thinking, oh, he's quite big for his age, but it was like, there was no messing around. I just trained hard and ate well and knew that would sort. Oh. Back on. All right, last, sig- last signal for a second. Then we're back on though. But like, obviously talking about, you always had that sort of mindset. Where do you think it kind of came from? Obviously, when you're at 16, not a lot of young lads have that mindset. Like, even for me, probably took me until I was about 19, 20 to get any sort of kind of driven mindset and knowing where I wanted to go with things. Where Was that instilled from your family, from your parents? Or was it just you kind of looking up to people? Like, you looked at the Flex magazines, you looked at the bodybuilders, coaches. Was there anybody in particular, any reason why you think you kind of you had that mindset? It's... It's got to be from the family. Mm -hmm. It has to be. Um, Because well before the bodybuilding thing, when I was a chubby kid, um, I gave up chocolate, like as in like chocolate bars, uh, when I was 14. Like one day, I used to always try, because they were my weakness. I loved chocolate. I used to, there's a spa on the way home from school to my house. Mm -hmm. I used to get two chocolate bars every day. And then when I got home, I'd wash it down with a chocolate Nesquik, <laughs> pint of Nesquik, right? And I did that every day. And then one day I was like, do you know what? Done. And I can remember the date because it was the 1st of December. I got my advent calendar, nailed every single one. And I was like, that, that's me done. I was like, I'll never, eat, I'll never eat in chocolate again. My parents were like, what are you talking about? And I was like, trust me, done. And then a year went by, hadn't touched chocolate in like the whole year. And I was like, you know what? I could probably give up other things, really. So then I said, like, sweets, pastries, crisps, done. And then they all went. And then it got to the stage where I was just like, what? Well, I haven't got much else to give up now. But going back to the question, though, because that was well before. That was when I just started training. So there have there has to be. Like my my parents brought me up really well. Like my dad was a really good rugby player. Should have been a professional, but he got injured. He's very driven, like, and 
he works his ass off. My mum works her ass off. Like they brought me up really well. So there's definitely an element of the sort of mindset with them. Um, I and and you know rugby rugby instills it in you quite a bit as well. Mm-hmm. I played rugby from when I was like seven years old. So by that time I've been playing rugby for what like eight years. So I already had quite a bit of character about me. Mm-hmm. Um, I was very determined, like you know, fit like fitness in rugby because I played quite a good standard even at that age, and we used like the fitness was quite hard. So if you can be that determined at that age to carry on with fitness. Um, I also tie boxed when I was from the age of about 12 to 15. And that was pretty tough as well. They obviously with with the same, the same with a lot of martial arts, like they instill a lot of discipline in you. Um, They kick your ass, Mm -hmm. but it, it works ultimately. So I think maybe something came from that as well. Yeah. Could just be a different load of different things. But speaking about rugby, I think because obviously I'm from a football ground, there's a lot of things that footballers can learn from rugby. Because I don't think footballers have the same discipline in the mentality of rugby lads. Because even like even like the professionals that you watch them on TV, like the amount of respect that the rugby players have for like the referee, simple things like that compared to in football, like yes, you, you see what they like in football and they just don't have that sort of respect. So. I think coming from that sort of background and also you doing your martial arts and if your parents are obviously, your dad was getting up at six o'clock with a personal trainer doing bits and bobs, they've obviously got that mentality and they maybe subconsciously has passed it on. It might have been a genetic thing or whatever. But I might be like, similar to, to yourself when you were talking about the, you like said to yourself, right, I'm going to drop chocolate. You kind of, if I say I'm going to do something, if I don't go and do it, like with this podcast, I haven't recorded a podcast in two weeks and it's been eating me up because I've like during lockdown, I was doing like two or three a week and obviously I'm back working yeah. a little bit more and I'm a bit more busy and it's been eating me up for the last two weeks thinking like, right, you need to do a podcast. You, 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 I've got to know, I know I've got five banked up, but then, then five are going to go to four, then three, and then I'm going to be on top of myself. And if I don't publish like one out a week, it's going to be eating me up in my head. Do you feel like it's yeah. kind of the same with yourself? Like you, if you say it to yourself, right, I'm not going to do something, it's it's just constantly in your mind. There's a little voice in your head saying, right, go on and have it and see how bad you feel afterwards, sort of thing. That's what it's kind of. That's just kind of like for me. I don't know if it's just hundred yeah. percent. Like I agree with you there. Like I, because especially at the moment now on like social media, I put myself. People are fully aware of how like who I am and like what I'm about in terms of my dedication. Mm-hmm. So. I almost put that out there deliberately because then I know that people expect that from me. So I can't diff, I can't like deviate from that at all. So I put like, it's almost like an added pressure, but it's not because I know I'm not going to mess up. So I, I, I actively put it out there just to sort of almost keep me accountable and stuff. But yeah, I know what you mean. Like once you say you're going to do something, you, you, normally just do yeah, it yeah that's why that's what i like about yourself like you put literally if everybody doesn't follow jack like you put everything on the time you get up when you're doing your morning card morning cardio every meal every literally every set pretty I, much i have a little i always have a little joke about this <laughs> and say like i could save i could save those six those five six meals a day that i have yeah 
and just repeat them if I wanted to because they're basically the same every day. Yeah. So I could just keep them saved them on my phone if I wanted yeah, to. Even the little stir is the exact tempo. They are actually that they are actually the ones from that day. I swear. <laughs> no, but that's like that's one of the things that I quite like about like well, in a sense, being not like, not like I'm an influencer, but be, being on social media a lot and posting things out, it does keep you accountable. Like if there's a day, like imagine a day when you didn't post anything, people or like do anything on your story, people be like. I um I left I left my phone in my car before and I was in work and I couldn't go and get it and that it stupidly ate me up like I was like oh, I'm missing all of these meals I'm not posting yeah. them everyone's gonna think I'm dead or something I uh, know there'll be the old page set up saying where's Jack Warbin like literally you'll be gone for three hours or something like that and then that's that's you finished I am posted for three hours and I've missed a meal you know that's, that's, that's the it. end so. So, like, talking about your routine, like, it's a ridiculous routine that you've got in place. Like, you're up at, what, like, 4.30 pretty much every day. I know you said, yeah, yeah, you have the odd lie-in sort of thing. How do you how do you maintain that? Well, first of all, how did you get to the point where you had that main, that routine? Was it just kind of, like, a gradual increase over a period of time? Like you said, you left and went to play rugby in that school and they were instilling kind of training early in the morning, instilling routine in you. Do you think it was just like a gradual progression where... I don't know, you just, it got to one day, it's like, right, I need to get up and fit this in my morning, right, now I'm going to make sure that all my meals in. Do you think it was just a thing that gradually got to there, or was it just, I don't know, something that one day you woke up and said, no, right, I need to get this routine in place? Um, once again, initially it goes back to my childhood and my parents, like, and that personal trainer. So I'd be up at, like, half five every day. I know a lot of kids... A lot of kids are like, their parents come and wake them up and drag them to school. Like, I was up well early. I was always up before six as a kid. Mm -hmm. Like, for as, for as long as I can remember, I've never got up past six, really. Mm -hmm. um, and that was even as, like, an eight-year-old kid. Um, and then, obviously, when I went away to boarding school, we I'd always get up at five because I had to get a meal in before I trained. So that just became the norm. But then... You know, when you get into the 4 a.m.s, the stupider clocks, that sort of started when I was prepping in around 2016. Um, so my first, the first time I did a bodybuilding show, uh, I, were, I was working in retail at the time and also doing my master's in strength and conditioning. So I had like a work placement as well. Um, so fairly busy. And I knew that the only time I could really do cardio would be before work. So I'd have, luckily I have a 24 hour gym pretty close to me. Um, not that close, but at that time there's no one on the road anyway. So you get in pretty quickly. Um, so I would get up and do my cardio at like four or five o'clock. Um, just so I could do it before work. Come, So I could come home and like cook my stuff, be ready for work. Um, and that just became the routine. Uh, this year, it's been a little different. Um, like, my schedule has been ridiculous this year. Um, I did a PGCE, so like a postgraduate in education, so to become a teacher. And obviously, teaching days can be fairly long. I had to be in school by around about half seven, eight o'clock. Um, so for me to be in school at that time, and prep all my meals beforehand. I was getting up at like half three, quarter four most days this year. Um, 
which isn't is not ideal. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But I I'm I'm very lucky. I seem to function fairly well with not loads of sleep. I know it's not healthy. Um, I'm fully aware of that. But some people get too much sleep, in my opinion. Like there is there is like suggestions that you can get too much sleep. Mm-hmm. Um, if I get like six, I'm good. Um, ideally, I'd get eight, but I can do all right on six. Mm-hmm. So uh, at the end of the day as well, like I, I make all my decisions. If I want to go into teaching and I want to be a bodybuilder at the same time, it's on me to, to make sure I do both of those things. You know, I don't have to do it. So, you know, I, I don't even have to do cardio. If I wanted, I could just eat less. Mm-hmm. But I'd rather just do those sessions so I can eat more because I love food, see? So, um, but like I've, and, and being honest with you as well, there is a little bit of an ego in me that I like doing things that other people aren't doing. Yeah. Potentially, that's not even beneficial. Like, I, I get a kick out of the fact that I'm doing cardio at half four in the morning on the Stairmaster. But then again, there are people that their schedule allows them, they can still be doing that cardio, but just at a reasonable time. But I still feel better about myself because it's when everyone else is asleep. Yeah. Yeah, so I've seen it. it <laughs> I remember seeing one of your old Instagram stories, right? You were on the stepper at like half one, the one there was people outside you could see walking in from a night out. That must have been oh, years in ago. Swansea Town that Center. must have been years yeah. ago. Like I remember that. Mate, that that would have been like six, 2016 or 2017. Yeah. So that is a long time. Mate, I used to see some sights because oh, it, used, it used to make cardio fly by though because my 24-hour gym when I'm back home in Swansea, not where I've been this year, but when I'm in Swansea, it's dead center, and I mean dead town center. Mm. So I'd be there at like half four, and people would be finishing their night, and they'd just be stumbling up that street, and I'd see some right mm. sights. It'd be, it would make it go quick, it'd be funny. Yeah. But I've even had people like offer me out because you can see, you can see like if you're down there, you can see up into the gym as well, as well as me seeing down. <laughs> And I've and I've seen I've been like looking at people, and they've been like, "Go on, go on." And in the in my head, I've been like, "Oh, good. I, I fancy this." <laughs> but, but yeah, yeah, so. that's crazy, man. But it goes to, it goes to show that when you've got something in your head, just to talk about mindset again, when you have that something in your head, you'll you'll do anything. Like it's oh, the same with it. Yeah. The second I put that alarm on my phone, I have never. Missed and like if I woke up and just turned it off, I can tell you now I would never live that yeah. down like ever. I've done as sad as that seems, like that's the standard I hold myself to. Yeah. Because the problem is, once you once you like do that once, you're like, oh, do you know what? Maybe I'll just do it again. Like the fact that I've never messed up on that, it, it means I probably never will, mm-hmm. unless mm-hmm. like obviously serious situation. But I've I've been on that stairmaster with severe food poisoning, worrying about every step where, like, not to go into too much detail, but worrying about every step whether that's gonna something's gonna come out pretty much. Something's gonna, yeah, like that bad. Yeah. But because of that, I saw like it. It sometimes it does. The standard I hold myself to does sometimes lead me to do stupid things like that, or like 
driving down the road because I'm a gram short of lettuce to pick it up another like I know the whole head like little things like that but I'd rather do that and go to sleep at night knowing I've done everything you know yeah. so do you, th- do you think it's like a little bit of like I don't know like self like you brought it on yourself like OCD but you bring it on yourself because I feel like I've started to develop that the kind of more that you go down that path it's like it is. It's not like in a sense. It's like a dark path, but it's not because it can either like be really great for you, like you're doing this extra work and you're getting more hours in, you're doing getting every single little bit of detail. But then also in terms of like your own health and your own mental health and stuff, it's like fucking you up in a sense. It, it is. You, no, definitely. It, it I, does do, fuck you up. I do agree. Yeah. <laughs> like that's what I feel like. In terms of myself, my mental health's got better, but it's also got worse at the same time because yes, yeah. I'm happier myself. I'm. I'm enjoying what I'm doing, like I'm working, but I'm enjoying it and I'm I'm getting more done. But also I'm like, fuck, this is like I'm looking at what I'm doing, I'm like, I need to stay like, I need to chill out a little bit. But I just can't in my head, it's, I can't it's control it. So far it. from normal, yeah. Yeah. It's it's ridiculous kind of kind of thinking about it. But one thing I was gonna talk about, because obviously you're from a rugby background and rub you know what rugby lads are like, they love they love a piss up, they love a night out and stuff like that. Did were you did you ever get like were you caught up in that for a little bit and the drinking side of it and the going out or was there was it just never something that you were interested in at all or was there a point where maybe you just pulled yourself out of it completely I'll be I'll be careful with where this goes especially with the fact that I'm looking to go into education all right, we'll keep, um, keep it PG then. as a kid the, the reason why I could like I stopped drinking when I was 18 um and the reason why I found that so easy is because I'd been drinking for like four years before that already. And I don't mean like taking it easy. Like when I was 15, I used to go out every Friday. We had a nightclub not too far down, like pretty close to us. And everyone in my year 10, so in year 10, every one of us would go down there because they were closing and they'd say, right, if you've got ID, free of charge if you haven't it's a fiver and they'd let anyone in at the age of 15 we would go into this nightclub every weekend and we were getting smashed and this was at the age of 15 so i and like then i went away to college and yeah it sort of was the culture um but because we were a boarding school it only you could only ever do that on weekends and you could only ever do that if you went off, um, like if you went, like say, back home. You couldn't drink whilst you were at the college, mm-hmm. so that limited my drinking. But when I could, I did. Um, but I quickly learned that I was a bit of an idiot under the influence because I should. When I drank, I drank a lot. Mm-hmm. Like I'd, I'd freeze, I'd freeze a liter of vodka and go through like three quarters of it. Because if you freeze it, you can, like, knack it. You, you don't taste yeah. it. Like, so freeze it and just get it down me. So I I put myself in a few bad situations, like, very bad. Um, so I, I quickly learned that probably I need to sort myself out. And, and then it was also coinciding with the time when I was becoming very focused on my physique development. And, and I just didn't like... I'd go out drinking, I'd have an awesome night, but then the next day in the gym, my performance was shit. Mm-hmm. And I, 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 a lot of the boys that I live with, they could handle that. They were fine with that. But I couldn't because 
like training started to mean quite a bit, and I was like, Do you know, what? I I'm, I can't be bothered with this anymore. And also, I got on misses at the time, like bang on at that time. I got into a long term relationship, and she hated me when I was out having a couple of pints because she was very um, like she'd get very jealous very quickly. So that influenced me as well. Um, and then by that time, I got into competing then, and then it just never wasn't Your like priorities almost changed completely yeah yeah and that it almost did impact me stopping rugby as well because every weekend i'd play and it was almost expected that i had to drink and i didn't like saying no um and that sort of put me off a little bit as well mm-hmm. but because especially when you're around like the semi-pro level i know obviously when it gets professional you can sort of power it off but around that semi-pro level, which is where roughly where I was at, it's obviously a big part of it. But which is why I sort of lost interest. Yeah. So you think the, the there was a lot of things kind of around the same time that kind of almost put you off it. Yeah. Yeah. They all they it was all at the same time. There were quite a few yeah, things. Because I think I was like, ask one thing kind of about your if you don't mind talking about it, your parents kind of were they controlling to to stop you from drinking because I know. From like a lot of young kids, if they are they listening in the background? Yeah, that's what I'm checking. <laughs> Don't worry. <laughs> not gonna, no, I'm not going to stitch though. It's only my sister. It's my oh, sister. It's fine. No, I was gonna say, it's not going to be anything bad. Don't worry. No, I was going to say was because a lot of like kids' parents completely just stop them from drinking, stop them from going out, stop them from doing anything. Like, and then when they get to the point where they legally can they go all out for like a good few years and that's maybe being a good thing in a sense that you got it out the way when you were younger, which I think is probably done you like for myself, I probably had it. Uh, yeah, like, Mine was only probably like a good I, year or two. I got it all out my system. That was between like 18 and 19. And now I'm yeah. kind of like lost interest in it in a sense. I, I completely agree in the terms of when I went away to college, obviously... I was by myself. We could do what we wanted. So I'd already experienced that. And then I went to uni, which is just the same again, but just a little bit more freedom. Whereas everyone else who'd been stuck at home until they were 18, they all lost the plot and were doing everything. And I was just like, well, yeah, I've already been doing this for two years, so I'm not really too bothered. Um, But in terms of parents, they didn't know that I was drinking. Yeah. Like, I, I, I... I, every week I told them I was going down my mate's house down the road. They must have thought something was going on between me and him because every week for like half a year I was down his house. Yeah. But uh, this is why I checked who, who was out there because um, what also put me off drinking is um, like my dad because he loves a drink and I mean loves a drink. Because he's from a rugby background as well, so that's where it's all come from. Um, and just seeing the way he is with it and what it's like, what it does to him, that put me off a lot. So I think I've kind of got him to thank for that. Yeah. At the same time, so um, that that sort of that also played into it a bit as well. Yeah. So there's just loads of things that played into it. Yeah. There's a, one thing that upsets me sometimes, like. When I see sometimes like my, my dad or my mom getting absolutely smart, it's a, I always see them as like an escape from life. And I know what it's like with parents yeah. when you've got kids, you've got a stressful job, you've got everything. And it's a complete escape from life. And I kind of, 
look at myself and think like I don't I want to be present and be able to deal with that with myself without having this alcohol whatever influence drugs whatever sort of other influence it is 100%. there to kind of not only block it out but to also deal with it so that's one reason why I don't like because I know what I get in my own head a lot when I'm really drunk as well yes every so often I'll go out and I'll have it I'll have a feature I'm more like one or two drinks and then I'm fine I don't really do it that often that's I'm happy with that but when I go do do that it is like your whole mindset flips like you start questioning things or you you can go you can even go one way or the other you can forget about everything or you can think about everything 10 times more so that's what that's one of the reasons why um i don't want to go down that kind of route and it's kind of put me off completely which is probably like you said the same for yourself um shit it is like it is an escape mechanism i'd rather be present and then like you also talked about like when you've got training or when you've got work or when you've got something on the next day i want to be 100 percent prepared i want to be 100 like my mindset wants to be 100 in to whatever i'm doing and i don't want anything to affect what what i'm doing the next day like hangovers i cannot deal with hangovers i'm a little i'm a, a little bitch of hangovers so that's that's another reason why i can't deal with them but yeah coming from a sporting background it is that is the kind of mentality that's driven driven into you but we wanted to we discussed it briefly at the start before we start the podcast about your injuries, which is a big thing. Like for people who have listened to my podcast before, they know I've had a lot of injuries from football, um, and then obviously the mental health side of it. But what were the kind of when was your first serious injury? Because I've seen videos of you popping joints back in place and stuff during training, which I know a few of your followers will probably know about. Can you remember your first um, first few injuries? So first first injury I had. If, you, if we are listing my rugby injuries, this podcast is going to go on. But I'll do it quickly. When I, when I was a kid, I popped my collarbone. Um, but then the teacher... Because I've got, I have like an absurd pain tolerance. Mm-hmm. Um, I popped my collarbone, got up, and basically said to the PE teacher, I broke my collarbone. And they were like, no, you haven't. I was like, trust me, I broke my collarbone. And they're like, well, if you think you have, go and get your bag and walk home. Because they thought I was like joking. I was like, all right. I got my bag, walked home, walked walked to my, my nan's house because my mum wasn't home. And I was like, oh, I've, I broke my collarbone. And then they took me in, scanned and I had. And they were furious. Because the school had just said to me, there's nothing wrong with you. You can go home if you want. But I just popped it. So I did that. A couple of years later then, I broke my ankle playing rugby again. I broke it for a second time. But then when I got to went to uni or just before that so the age of like 18 because i had a really good really good rugby career from the age of like 14 to 18 where i didn't re- like you know realistically a collarbone and two ankle breaks isn't too bad mm. but because i used to play rugby like a lunatic absolute lunatic um so i i played the entire two years in college without a single injury. I didn't miss a single training session. I played every game. And to do that in that college is like really prestigious. Like um, you get awarded like loads of things for it. So that was really good. But, and then I went to uni and it all went tits up because I started having a reoccurring hamstring issue. Like, I mean, like every two weeks it would happen. Mm -hmm. And then I, 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 I went to see loads of specialists about it. I strengthened my hamstring, like doing all this like program. They couldn't believe how, like how much sort of strength I added to my hamstring. And then like two weeks later, I did it again. Yeah. So that, 
that and then a few quad pulls was why I stopped because I couldn't get to the bottom of it. That was why I stopped playing rugby. I couldn't get to the bottom of why I was pulling my hamstring all the time, mm-hmm. despite everything I was doing. Funny enough, now I know why I was doing it, and it's linked to all the issues I have now, which you just mentioned, the shoulder pops and all that. Um, I'll mention another injury as well, because it, it trumps all the others. Um, I broke my sternum. Yeah. Combination of like playing rugby and training. And that, and if you like, if any of the listeners know, well, they should know what that is. Um, it's that big yeah. bone plate in your chest. And I split that, and that was absolutely horrific because for the months and months after that, every time someone made me laugh or if I had to sneeze, I would like crawl up into a ball. Because if you can imagine, if you've got a crack down that area, if you breathe in, yeah. it opens it up so that that wasn't enjoyable at all um but this just goes back to like my stubbornness and stupidity i i broke it at the start of the session training session and i finished the whole of the session and then i never missed the training session with whilst it was broken so like it, it would hurt but i knew if i wasn't like hurting it too much it wouldn't get any worse so i would do like flies with a broken sternum until i got to the pain point and then i'd be like that's enough and then come back in so i I would like train around it the best i could but funny enough that summer i got in the best shape i ever did so didn't do me too much it was worth it in the end (laughs) i'm i'm digressing now but if i link back i go back to the issues that you talk about now so all those hamstring issues basically occurred due to chronically tight hip flexors. So my hip flexors, minor thing to start off with, but I, they were probably tight for six or so years, and I never got them, like, I never had them fixed because at the time I didn't know they were an issue, so I never got anyone to look at them. Mm-hmm. So if your hip flexors are tight, starts off as a minor thing, but they'll start to tug on your hips. And if they're tugging on them one side a bit more, you'll be off like that. So if your hips are like that, what's your spine going to look like? Spine's going to be off as well. If your spine's off, everything's off. Because everything comes from your hips. Mm -hmm. So your hips are off, so then your limb length is going to be slightly different, which causes like your hamstrings to shorten and lengthen, which is why I had the issues. And then if my shoulders would be off, so, which is why I have issues there. So, essentially, something as small as a hip flexor issue has then cascaded and caused loads of muscles to be either, like, too short and tight or too stretched out and lengthened. Mm. And they don't work as they should. And also, like, they don't work together as they should. So, I basically get fixed up by an osteopath fairly regularly but then it's up to me to sort of stay on top of it. Because once I get fixed up, because they were in that position for so long, they try and pull you back into that position. So I've got to stay on top of that, whilst also, like, trying to relearn how to train properly. Kind of yeah, thing. yeah. So, which is why I took three years off competing. Mm-hmm. Ideally, I wouldn't have, because I love competing. But I knew I had a lot to sort out. So 
that is my extensive. I, I did quite a good job of cutting that down there, <laughs> but um, that's basically the whirlwind I have going on. What sort of stuff do you do to for your hips? Is it just a lot of like um, what do you call it, like couch stretches and stuff like that? Is it kind of just stretching or? I, to be honest, I stretch it, but I should I should be doing more strengthening stuff. Mm-hmm. So quite a lot of time, quite a lot of the time with people, the reason why they have like tight muscles is because it's weak. Mm-hmm. So the muscle will tighten up because it's a defense mechanism. Because it's weak, it tightens up. So a lot of the time, if you have a tight muscle, it's because it's weak. So you should strengthen it. So I should attempt to strengthen my hip flexors more but i i don't i just it's almost like i forget to do it and it's i spend so much time on like the the bigger muscles and stuff it becomes like an afterthought um i do stretch it i get a lot of osteopath work done on it and like right we're back on freeze number two we're back on keep it rolling (laughs) um i've also changed the way i sleep Previously, I'd like tuck my knees up because I used to I used to be really comfortable. But then I found out that if I've tucked my knees and I'm sleeping all night like that, my hip flexors are shortened for six to eight hours every day. So that's not ideal because that's causing a tightness. So I've made sure I, I straighten my legs when I sleep. So that's another thing. Um, I'm also wearing a waist trainer all the time now. I don't know, are we on video oh, or just on, audio? On video, mate. Uh, there you go. I wear a waist trainer a lot of the time now, and I bet everyone's like, oh, what a girl. What a girl. But in terms of for me now, it 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 cracks my posture a lot. When I first started, my lower back was killing wearing it, and I thought, well, hold on here. I thought it's meant to support my lower back. Not like cause it to be an issue, but what I realised is, is it was putting me in a better mm-hmm. position, and my mus- the back musculature wasn't used to it, so it was aching. So that has helped a bit as well. I'm not plugging a waist trainer, but for me it's helped because of the position I was in. I had a I had a really lordotic spine, so I'd always stick yeah. my ass out and like just so that that's helped out a lot there. Um, so there's just a few of the yeah, things. I've, I've had a lot of it again. I've had a lot of things. And the hip thing actually was a good one to think of because I have, I get really tight hip flexors. Like I've had, I've got chronic tendonitis now. I've had surgery on both my knees, patellar tendonitis. And my, I do sleep curled up and my hip flexors, to be fair, hasn't really been until the last year. Like I'm literally, I'm, like my followers will say I'm stretching all the time in terms of mobility. I've been big on that hip flexor. But I, through football, I get like a repetitive, occasionally like a, um, not groin, like rec fem strain through kicking constantly. Right it constantly tightens up. And if I don't stretch my hip flexors, like that, I just know that it's going to end up tightening up. So that might be something that I might, might have a think about because I do sleep curled up as well. That might be another thing. So I forgot to mention, you said rec fem. I've got, a, I forgot to mention in my injury list, I've got a torn rec oh, fem. Oh, great. <laughs> just, just, just a minor, just a minor, I forgot to mention. I think you might, you might, have you had any surgeries? Have you had any major surgeries or anything? No. No, I, I've been very lucky, touch wood. Yeah. Um, haven't had any surgeries. Um, my ankles, my ankle, the second time I broke it, they offered it and they were going to push it on me. And I was like, no, mm-hmm. don't want it. Um, and it, it, touch wood, it hasn't been an issue. So luckily I haven't. Yeah, I was going to say, for anybody who wants to, who, who can avoid surgery, avoid it because it completely, I've read a, little, a lot on it in terms of even just the scarring. 
like how much it messes up your biomechanics and like your, your, your neuron pathways and stuff like that. Like I, I've noticed since I had my right angle operated on, I've had a lot more issues with my right knee that I've never had. I had a lot of patellar tendonitis, but then I started getting a bit more quad tendonitis, sort of right at the top of the kneecap, which I'd never had before, which is probably because my ankle mobility is obviously not as good as it used to be because I've got a little bit of an mm -hmm. impingement at the top of my ankle. So my, obviously my dorsiflexion is yeah. horrendous. So I think, but it's kind of, it is getting better the more I'm working on it. But like once you get one serious injury, like I talked about it with somebody on my last podcast, um, like once you get one injury, as he said, the best way to, to not get injured is to not get injured in the first place, which is as stupid as it sounds. Makes sense. Because one injury leads to another and it's just a kind of repetitive thing. So do you think, do you feel like you, when you played rugby, do you feel the whole injury side of it kind of put you off it and made you lose the love for the game because you were constantly yeah. getting injured? 100%, that, that's 100% why I stopped. Mm -hmm. Because... Like I mentioned it earlier, I used to play like an absolute lunatic. I played when I was a, when I was younger playing. I played for a pretty poor team. We weren't great, mm -hmm. um, so I didn't care about the results. I cared about how many people I could put off off the field. Yeah, like I, I would I would play on a Sunday to write people off. Like as a kid, like I would. I would fly into tackles. I mean, absolutely fly in. Um, but and then, you know, like if you break your sternum, you, you're not really too sure about, oh, like if I go into this full whack, what's going to happen? Or it got to the stage where at the start of every game, I'd be jogging and I'm like, is my hamstring going to go? Is it going to, and like, if that's in the back of your mind just from running, like, what, how, and it wasn't just a psychological thing because I knew, like, uh, it was happening all the time. So I knew something was going to happen. And one, for a player like me who would fly into absolutely everything, I, I can't be playing like that. Um, so it definitely took away the love. Because I was just worrying all the time about the issues. You know? Yeah, I know. You can, I've been the same. I've had, like, even when you have niggles and stuff and talking about, like, your mindset going to the games. You do not want to have to think about anything else but the game. In fact, you shouldn't have to think that when you're playing, I know when I'm playing at my best, I'm not thinking. Like, I don't even think about anything. Like, and then when does it, I can even like remember two scenarios, a game where I haven't thought about it and how well I've played compared to a game where, oh, in the warm-up, my, my knee was a little bit sore, my back was a little bit sore. And I had a shocking game because I was literally yeah. thinking about everything I was doing, like every movement I was making, I was thinking, right, every kick I was going to make, I was like, is something going to go here? And it just plays on your mind and, affects your performance so much. So I don't think a lot of people realise and it's a very old school mentality to think like, oh, just get on with it, you're fine, just yeah, forget about it. it. You, 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 you mentally can't and like, no. there's, that's why a lot of a lot of lads struggle as soon as they get one one injury. It just le either leads to another one or it leads to them mentally struggling to get back. Um, but it's interesting because obviously I didn't know that about yourself like from a rugby background. Obviously, I don't know. I only really know the bodybuilding side of it. But yeah. how, what are you like now in terms of your your sessions? Cause I seen obviously the, the video that was on the um, was it the, the form please? The form please. That's a fun, funny page. Fuck That's just feds. started. Fuck the feds. <laughs> Fuck the feds. Like the video of you um kicking your was it you were you popping your hip back in place? Right. I can't. I I've been told it's called runner's hip. Right. That's what it's like a brief like description of it. All it is is because I do the same with my shoulder as well. Um, you won't be able to hear. I I cut all I if I just do that. Yeah, I heard that. Right? I heard that. Do you hear that? Yeah, yeah I heard that. Um, 
So I can do it on my hip. All I do is lift it up. And if I lift my hip up and then pop it, like push it down, it pops. It's it's like the te- it's tendons rolling over each other. Right. So sometimes I get a sense, I get a, I get a feeling in my hip, and it's like, it, you know, if you get sometimes in your hand, you feel you feel it like tight. You just do that. Yeah, because I'm a goalkeeper, so yeah, yeah, yeah. my fingers are all over the place. It's almost the same as like I get that feeling in my hip, and then sometimes all I do is just kick out, and it pop, it'll pop back in. Not like pop back in, mm-hmm. but the tendons like pop yeah. back into sort of alignment kind of thing. Um, because like the foot, so I, I can't really put a nail on why it happens. Um, all I know is if if I have that sensation, I won't be able to contract that muscle. Like, I, if I like, for example, in the deadlift. If that's compromised, I if I went down, I can guarantee like my hips will be like that. Yeah. It just doesn't. The same with my shoulder. I'll get a sensation back there around my scapular area, and if I don't pop it, it'll I'll go into a press and it'll be like that. Yeah. Because the shoulder will, the scapula won't be retracted properly. Um, it's a hell of a lot better than it used to be. I can tell you that now. A uh, hell of a lot better. Like, without going into too much detail, like, it would, years ago, it would be going to the stage of where it would, like, drive me into tears mid-session because I would pop it so many times in frustration. It would get so inflamed. It's And it's pretty painful as well. Like, so I'm not saying I was crying through the pain. I was crying through, like, frustration. But it's it's a hell of a lot better than it used to be. Still not great, Mm. but... Like at the moment, the way it is now, I can cope with that fine. Like I've been through it when it was pretty bad, so now it's all right. What I can't put up with is little pencil necks chiming in and giving me stick for it. Like, yeah. don't don't comment about me pulling a two thirty deadlift and pop my hips because you won't get even a one eighty like that. That's one thing I can't cope with. Yeah. I should learn to. Yeah. I just I enjoy. For some reason, I enjoy like the arguments on like social media. I just it's, it's a bit of entertainment. Yeah. So. I love it when it's like just you can see like you you repost something and it's just like five black screens in a row of this you writing stuff just like abusing <laughs> people. I'm just like you don't want to again. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. But it's 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 funny, man. It's funny. I, I love stuff. I love stuff like that. Anytime I see any sort of like they call it gossip or anything like that on social media, I'm all I'm all for a bit of bit of banter. Because the people. fitness industry is pretty boring. Yeah. So the second there's a bit of gossip or like stuff like that, it's funny, right? Yeah, I know. I think there's a lot of like fake stuff as well, like with the big ones. I don't know a lot of the beef. I don't know if it's like genuine or it's just made up to cause some gossip. I'll not put examples in, just in case I get some hate off anybody. Not like I'm a big enough person to get any hate off anybody. I haven't had any hate yet, so I'm pretty lucky. The to best, be fair, the best bit of beef I've seen recently is whether you saw it. The giant Jamie Johal and um Oh, his name's gone now. Oh basically the argument between um progressive overload and like not progressive overload. And they were they were bitching to each other in the comment section and they were getting really nasty. Drew Walker, there that's who it was. 
and Drew Walker's got a pack there, and like they were even like having digs about his pack there and stuff, and I was like, oh. Oh. <laughs> they were getting like really spicy about it, and I, these are like like mid thirties lads having like digs of that. I was like, "Come yeah. on, boys!" Oh, touch touch one of the soft spots. That's what it is. They might have yeah. a soft spot for his for his little peck. You might just it might just touch it in a way and go. But talking about that, to be fair, in terms of because I wanted to do obviously you're from a bodybuilding background, so I've got to have a few bodybuilding questions in. How would you describe your style of training? Because it's from what I see, it's high intensity, high volume, like three hour plus sessions talk me through it uh, i'll say that it's been heavily influenced by the sort of niggles i have mm-hmm. i wouldn't want to be in there that long you know ideally i'd be like a two set kind of guy um but saying that i do love a pump as well so which that which does lead me to train a bit longer yeah but quite often the reason why my sessions are so long is one it takes me a lot of time faffing around with my shoulder and hips. Like sometimes if my head properly goes, I literally have to like remove myself from the room and just relax. Yeah. Because a lot of it is from like me overthinking it and like, oh, like popping it when I don't need to. And But then there's also the fact that I sometimes don't feel like I really nail down a set because it, the stabilization's not there, so I might not be too happy with one set. So instead of, say, doing two, I might not be happy with the two, so I might go in and do a third or maybe even a fourth. So that they all add up after a while, you know? So that is... I'd say the volume thing comes from me not being able to execute as I'd like. Some days some days I have good days and I can get away with it. And I, it's, The sessions are like half, but... Ultimately, it comes down to me just doing whatever I can or need to do to get out of the session what I need, really. Mm-hmm. It's again, it's that little that little voice in your head where you know you haven't done something right. It eat you, it eats you yeah. up, and you're like, "Fuck this! I need to go back in and do oh, it." Again. I've I've like I've been doing an exercise before, finished, been relatively happy with it, gone, start warming up on the other exercise, and I've been like, "Do you know what? I reckon I could." get a little bit more on that and I've gone back in there's been someone on that machine I'd be like oh mate I've got one set left and I've gone <laughs> back in and another one like, who's this dickhead he was over there five minutes ago yeah, and I just came back I've taken all the weights off <laughs> I've got them gone like, and there's no wonder people hate me in the gym like. oh uh, no, but in terms of like the, the whole getting yourself when you've had injuries I'm the same like it's so frustrating like my girlfriends came into me like during lockdown because obviously the gyms were shut luckily I had like a squat rack and stuff at home and I've never really properly back squatted for a long period of time just because of injuries and stuff I'm, I'm more of a machine half squat sort of they yeah. sit better with me rather than back squat and like my knees at times were killing me squatting and she would know when I was in pain because I was just screaming like man like, like I would literally get to the top or bottom of a squat and just be like fuck's sake and just get pissed off at myself because it was hurting so yeah, much, yeah. but then like it takes me like I done a set of um split squats the other day, and it took me until like the fourth set to actually like get into it like pain three, and that was like my last set. That was my last planned set, and I was like, it's so like, it takes me that long to actually get into it, which is probably yeah. like I'm the same. My sessions don't take as long as yours. Mine are probably like two, maybe two and a half hours, depending on how long it takes me to warm up. 
Um, but I'm known for taking anybody who's who knows me from football or through the gym and stuff. Like that, I take my time warming up. I take like literally forty five minutes. Yeah. So it is like it's probably the same for yourself. Like you, I need to get my myself feeling right before I actually get into that set, which is again something like it's it's just a stupid mental battle you have to deal with when you when you've got them them injuries. Um, do you do much kind of like pre-activation, like prehab stuff or anything for your hips, for your shoulder, anything? I, I did, I did for a while, and I felt that I was just spending so long and just dicking around. Yeah, I do loads. I do like loads of like serratus anterior warm ups, like in here, and then I do like ab warm ups because I always thought it was like a core issue. I would do, and then I do like scapular with my shoulders and stuff and then like one day I was like do you know what I'm just going to train and I had a better session because I just went in and just got yeah. on with it because yeah. half the time it just I, I was so demotivated by it um, but now not really I just go in get on the treadmill to get my head on then I just do a little bit of like cable and dumbbell work just to get like full body warm and then it's mostly just into the session then really because i can tell you now if my sessions are as long as they are now can you imagine how long they'd be if i was doing all that <laughs> it's an extra like half an hour yeah at least at least minimum so what are you, what's what's your opinion on doing the um do isolation movements before compound because that's a big thing that I, i've started doing it for myself purely because my body feels better for, by doing it, like my knees especially doing like say like leg extension hamstring curl before a big squat movement what's your opinion on it I've I've always done leg curls and leg extensions before any compound, like mm-hmm. my whole life. So I'd say on certain body parts, certain like sessions, like they go really well. Um, mm-hmm. um, you can look at it two ways though. You can either do them as a warm up, so just to get some blood in that area, or you could treat them as like working sets. Yeah. So there's there's like a difference there. Um, I think they, it it goes really well with legs. Like I said, I love doing that because realistically, if you do working sets on a leg curl and a leg extension, it's not going to take away from your compound too much, in mm-hmm. my opinion. If anything, <clears throat> it sometimes makes them better because um, you've got blood in that area, the muscles pumped, a bit more elasticity. Whereas if you do it the other way around. So you do your compound first. If you go into that isolation, then your performance on that isolation will be shit. Mm-hmm. You will not be able to perform a quad extension properly and fully contract it if you've gone all out on like a hack squat, for example. Yeah. So yeah. in terms of exercise order, that's a great way to do it. Um, there are now plenty of people doing, say, like side laterals before a push session. There's definitely scope for that as well. Um, I I don't personally just because I want to just go all out on my pressing as soon as I get in there. But like, especially if it's a weakness of yours, I think it's a really good idea. So, mm. yeah, definitely. How one last question before we we'll finish off with a little. Did you have a look at the three questions I sent you at the end? Just the ones that I ask everybody. Yeah, yeah. Look, give me time a bit of prep. But one last thing. How important do you feel the gym's been in terms of your mental health over the years? Through, obviously, through rugby, through having the injuries, through just 
obviously with university obviously we didn't really get to touch on that but in balancing university with working with obviously training and everything like that how important is the Mate, gym being you're lucky you didn't talk to me about uni because <laughs> that'll be a whole nother podcast uh, we'll get you the back things, on it we'll the things i've on. seen the things i have seen would be a whole new podcast <laughs> we'll have to get you back on for a part two mate down the line i i lived with eight lads in a house like yeah then I, remember, I mean la- I mean lads. Yeah. So like you can imagine. <laughs> University stories with Thorben, that's what we'll call the next podcast. <laughs> yeah, so how important do you nah, think Because uh, I'm not I'm not getting a teacher job then. Yeah, we'll do happening. should we do that once you get the job and then once you're kind of few years <laughs> down the line and you are you, sorted? We'll come back to that we can, one. We can do it anonymously. <laughs> Quiet one. Yeah, so how important has it been? Uh, how important has the gym been to you in terms of mentally? I'll be honest, like, I'm going to have to approach this from two ways because mm-hmm. obviously it's a massive escape for me. So I have, especially with stopping rugby, I channel a lot of aggression into rugby, like a lot. So that helps in that regards. Like, if I didn't go to the gym, I'd be an absolute psychopath <laughs> i'd probably be banged up by now without with all jokes aside like so i use that as like my escape it's also you know it's a pretty good community as well you know you see a lot of people you get to chat with a lot of people so that's good um it all it's also something for me to do you know like it, it takes up a lot of my day i enjoy it um keeps me in routine but then there's the other side and we're relating to the injuries. Like, I'm not going to lie. Past, like, I'm pretty good now, but, like, for two years, my mental health was horrendous because of injuries. You know, like, I've... Because I pride myself on, like, how I look, who I am, um, I put a lot of pressure on me looking the way I do. And it's... I... I am known by like my friends, for example, as like the bodybuilder. So if I don't look that way, I've lost my whole identity. So whilst I had the injuries, granted, I still looked all right. I didn't look the way I knew I should. So that influenced my mental health a lot. Um, I had a long period of time where I felt awful about myself, uh, which kind of influenced me quitting being a PT, to be honest, um, because you can have all the knowledge in the world and a lot of the time it's more about how you look, yeah. which isn't the, like, which, which is the truth really. It's not the best, but um, on the whole, I'd say training has been a massive sort of boost for me positively. Uh, like obviously when I was a fat kid, I wasn't that confident. And then the gym has done all sorts of things for my confidence. Um, but then again, it's, it's done a lot of good for my confidence when the gym's good. When training's not so good, yeah. it, it it sort of goes the other way. So you it's a fine line, but on the whole, good. Um, which is obviously why I'm in the business of, say, like online coaching, which is why I was a personal trainer, trying to get people into fitness, which is why I'm becoming a PE teacher to mm. get people into sport and fitness because i think it's has a massive uh 
benefits of mental health. So. Yeah, yeah, 100%, mate. That's one of the reasons why I love what I do, just the mental side more than anything. Like, cause like, like, like you said, if I if I didn't wasn't training, whatever it would be, like football, gym related stuff, I don't know what the, I don't know what the fuck I would do with myself. Like, what else do people? What do people do? I don't know. Do do? Like, I think that's why people go out on the piss all the time. I literally can't yeah. think of anything else to do, like, at all. Play golf, maybe people play golf. I guess. Don't know. I literally I, I don't know what else there is to do with your life, and if you just sat there doing nothing, like, and I think gym's a good thing in terms of building routine and building discipline which has a massive transfer over into loads of different things in life which is why another like another reason why i love kind of what i do in terms of helping people get into that but uh, the gyms like if you've seen my my, my one year transformation thing when I, I did a little youtube video thing on it as well and that was just that that was just like the last year there was obviously there's another two years before that which i haven't really talked about too much but like what it's done for me the last year has been been with it like since pretty much since the last time I seen when I seen you in October. Yeah. Like, a lot, a lot, a lot of stuff's changed. But anyway, final end Q and A, like the thing that I was on about before. So the three questions, three people that you would like to invite round for tea, go out for a coffee with, can be past or present, anybody you want. Oh. Uh, Tough one. Because when I, oh, I didn't want to give like bodybuilders in this everyone says like but i want i want to have like conor mcgregor arnold or like even the next question they want arnold they want to train with arnold they it's always the same i think you'd have to have you'd have to have someone that like has seen loads of things that no one else has seen so someone on like the inside of like illuminati kind of yeah. person but i don't know People would say like Elon Musk as well, but at the moment he's trying absolute crap these yeah. days. I don't keep up to it too much, but I've heard little bits of it about sh- shares and stuff on in, in Tesla and that. I'm not too sure. I don't follow Joe, it too much. Joe Rogan, because of who he's spoken to, he would know a lot. Oh, Just mate. think about all the people that he's interviewed. So I think you you could you could argue I'd want to speak to him. Yeah. Because you could just like milk him for all the information that he's got off other people yeah um, there'll be a lot of stuff as well that he knows that weren't on camera i feel i feel like he would have discussion oh, oh yeah mate there'll be some stuff that like is like juicy stuff that no one knows about 100 percent. uh these are hard though i i love mike tyson yeah it'd be quite <laughs> funny to i i've heard some berserk stories about him you know yeah like for considering he's all he is as a boxer, some of the stuff that because at a time when he was in his peak, the amount of money and power he had, he could do like whatever he wanted, yeah, whatever. But so we'll say we'll go Rogan, Tyson. Oh, don't worry, don't worry if you if you you're, you're gonna end up seeing someone tonight, you're gonna text me or message me or something like that, mate. Actually, oh, I, I might had, I had edit it out, edit it out. I had three that weren't those three, like yeah. before, um, planned, but they're just gone. Um, <laughs> David Attenborough. There we go. He's been actually someone said him before. I think one person I, might have said him as well. Like, we are, obviously we haven't mentioned it, but I absolutely love like animals, and I used to be a dino nerd when I was a kid. <laughs> dinosaurs, I absolutely love dinosaurs. Um, so we'll have those three. That's a hell of a. That's a hell of a cluster, yeah, you, that you, is. You do very well to get them around your house for, for for some tea, like 
What did, actually, what, what would you cut them? Chick, chicken and rice or some of the, what, the, the, the slush? chicken and rice. <laughs> oh, they have a bowl of my oats. Yes, hundred percent. Love that. Stuff. The Thorburn oats. Everyone needs to get on the Thorburn oats. Anyway, <laughs> next one. Three people you'd want to train with. Big one. I'll say Phil purely because he's my favourite bodybuilder. Yeah. Um, people think he's an arsehole, but he's not. I've met him like three times. Uh, so I'll say Phil. I've got to say Platts. One, because of the legs. Yeah. And two, because yeah. of the intensity. So I'll say Phil, Platts. Everyone will say Dorian in this, I think. Yeah, and I'd, yeah. I'd, I'd, I'd potentially edge towards him as well. Mm-hmm. But not Dorian now. Like Dorian is. He's his... all like yogury and like vegan and stuff now, isn't he? Yeah. yeah. I, want yogury. The... I want you. I want Dorian in his heyday. So potentially those. I don't think there's any others. Probably those three, I'd say. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'd say those three. Yeah, yeah. When you mentioned about Phil there, about people thinking he's ridiculous, I think a lot of people think like these, like pretty much the people who are best in the industry are dickheads but i think you have to have a big fucking ego to be that successful like you've got to you've got to have that persona if you don't have that i don't think you can they kind of regret your everyone whole, especially when your whole career is built on how you look oh mate right. yeah, <laughs> you've got to have it's confidence just, it's one thing to be how you perform on the field but then how you look is your whole persona yeah. you have to have a bit of an ego you know yeah so body well bodybuilding is just it's, it is ego in a sense yeah. you've got you've got to have it mate you've got to have it anyway last one one thing that you'd say to yourself five years ago get your hips sorted <laughs> that's the first time anybody said it for that everyone's like yeah just keep working hard just keep doing what you're doing and it's like, like yeah, I'm, not, I'm not being funny get your hips sorted it, mate. it would be fucking <laughs> go to an osteopath and get your hip flexor sorted and it, like yeah. all jokes aside, all jokes aside, that will have that will have changed my life, like an unbelievable amount. Yeah. Like you won't believe the amount that would have changed my life. Yeah. Um, Do you think you still be playing rugby? If you if if you didn't have the injuries. Oh, it's a tough. No, I don't think I was because I was already starting to develop like quite a decent physique. Mm-hmm. Um. And I was enjoying the bodybuilding training much more than the rugby. Because, mm-hmm. um, like, I almost played rugby to, like, flex on people. Yeah. So it was like, how can I, like, how can I smash you? How could I, like, humiliate you by sidestepping you? It was something, it was, it was, uh, I was very more like individually focused as opposed to like the team winning. Mm-hmm. Half the time, if if we lost, but I played like an absolute hero, I wouldn't care. Yeah. So it was already edging towards the individual sport aspect kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Yeah. No, I mean, to be fair, I would give myself the same advice. But I would be like, just get your, get your knees. In fact, get your hips sorted as well because my hips were so tight back then. I probably would have sorted my knees out a little bit. If only, mate, if only, if only we could go back. But anyway. Like hindsight. What is really, what really annoys me as well, when I was 18 and the hamstring issues started happening, 
a guy at the gym I was at in Cardiff, um, which was when I was in uni. He was an osteopath, a really good one. And he said to me, you need to come and see me because I've got a feeling it's something to do with your hips. He didn't know me at all. First time he ever spoke to me. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's fine. Like, can I give me a card, a bit more information? And he quoted me, like, to be fair, it was a lot of money. It was, it might have even been 100 quid. Yeah. But it was for, like, a full consultation and everything. And being a student, I was like, yeah, fuck off. <laughs> so, like, never messaged him or anything. But I think what, if he quoted me 10 grand... I probably would have seen him now, like knowing now what I do. Yeah. But at the time, I was like, nah. But if I'd gone to see him, yeah, I potentially no. would never have had the issues I have now, which is nuts, really. Yeah. And talking about it right now is actually pissing me off a little. <laughs> it's <laughs> going to eat you up, mate. You're going to be sleeping tonight saying, for fuck's sake, I wish I went when I was younger, man. Wish I went. Yeah. No, I've had the same scenario. Like, you, you, you get offered like, you, this help sort of thing, but it's always the money. And when you're when you're young, you don't have a lot of money. You're like, that's like. Well, at the time, at the time when it's not an issue, you mm -hmm. you don't think about it. Oh man, I know. Yeah, yeah. Whereas now, because it's an issue, I'd spend. There's not a price on what I spend. You know. Yeah, yeah. You're investing in your your, your career in a sense. You're investing in your life, so definitely worth definitely worth investing. If anybody's listening, get. Get your hips sorted. That's the quote of the day. Everyone get the hips sorted. Anyway, mate, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on. Thank you very much. No. Um, shout out your yeah, Instagram. Yeah, no worries. Instagram, I'll, I'll leave it. I'll leave it in the show notes, and this will be going on YouTube as well. So I'll leave it down below, so everyone can check you out. You're not on anything else. You're on Instagram. Is that it? You're on Twitter or anything? I don't. I'm not on Twitter, so I don't use it. So the only reason why I'm on Twitter is for shoe deals. That's the only thing I use Twitter. Actually, for, I see you say you like your shoes. To be to fair, you love saying that shoes. when I was waiting for this podcast to connect, I bought a pair. Did so. you? <laughs> Yeah. Every every week, I'm, I just see screenshots on your Instagram story, just like training. Look, 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 look at this. Look at this. Gone. Man, that's a joke. Yeah, I'm guessing. I'm guessing you're a fan of Nike. Yeah. I bought like two pairs of Ultra Boosts, and I was like, it's not doing it for me. Yeah. So I went back. The Nike, Nike's all the way, mate. Anyway. It's been a pleasure. Like I said, everyone follow Jack on. If you want any sort of motivation and you're and you're struggling to get in the gym, this guy's up at like half four every morning. So you'll, he's always he's always on it, always on his game. But anyway, like I said, mate, thank you very much for coming on. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. So thank you very much if you listened to the full episode, and thanks again, Jack, for coming on. Really good past podcast, and I was really really interested in his mindset and where it stemmed from. So you can obviously see from the podcast where it comes from. Uh, how he built up his routine and the mindset that he has. So again, another great episode. If you did enjoy this episode of Process, remember, as always, to share it on your social medias, on Instagram, share it on your story, tag myself and Jack, and give us a little bit of feedback. So either drop us a message or leave a little review at the bottom. And if you really enjoyed it, a five-star review would mean a lot. So again, thank you very much for watching. This has been Process.